Senate Intelligence Committee Vice Chair Marco Rubio, he's been one of the leaders on this. What he told me that really actually kind of propelled me along, he was like, hey, we get a lot of whistleblowers. He's like, it's nothing new to have whistleblowers, you know, making these claims. He goes, this is the first time the Inspector General of the Intel uh, community looked at what was said, vetted it, and then didn't just send it to Congress, but stamped it urgent. <laughs> Matt Laszlo, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Matt is a uh, Matt teaches uh, new media at John Hopkins University and also acts as an independent journalist. Uh, my understanding is that uh, before the hearing started in June, you took it upon yourself to try to target and 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 interview every single senator uh, in the United States to ask them uh, about these hearings, about Mr. Grush and this topic. So uh, with that, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. You know, I'm, I'm just really curious, uh, you know, since you were boots on the ground talking with all these people, I'm, I'm super interested, and I think everyone is, to really get your perspective on a few things. Maybe we can just start with um, what was the uh, common reaction when you engaged the senators on this? Were they aware of the conversation or were they not? Uh, the sad state of your government. Um, after interviewing all 100 United States senators, just basically asking them, hey, have you heard of this guy, David Grush? Uh, and then depending on what they replied, uh, interviews went from there. But it's depressing a little bit um, because David Grush's claims are so monumental. You know, his first one that there is recovered craft. But his second one, that there are these special access programs, SAPs, that the federal government, that the bureaucracy is keeping secret, like actively hiding from Congress. He dropped that weighty accusation on this Congress, you know, a couple months ago. And many United States senators, or the majority, have not even heard of him, uh, mm -hmm. which is sad. I'd say it's really a shame because I've been covering Congress 17 years now. I'm definitely an institutionalist. I don't want to cover the White House because uh, the founders envisioned Congress as the first branch. Um, so to see Grush and the Inspector General to back it up and say, hey, this is uh, something we vetted. We're sending it to Congress, stamped urgent. And it really felt like a dud in most parts of the Capitol, which... It's a shame because his claims are, hey, the government is lying to you, not just to the American people, which is the claim ultimately, but it's, hey, they're lying to your face, lawmakers. Uh, exactly. And, and not, most not of them are being ostriches. Yeah, brother. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would just make the point that we could have this conversation, I think, and not talk about uh, the controversial topics. We don't have to talk about UAP or, or crashed uh, vehicles or biologics or any of the, the specific claims that Mr. Garage spoke about. But the fact is, is that if if the underlying um, um, statements are true, then what we're looking at is a pretty, pretty, pretty significant, you yeah. know, lack of reporting to meet the congressional mandates that are required from the Department of Defense over to Congress. It's essentially a matter of our money is not being accounted for in the way that we set up the programs in this country to manage that. Right. Dude, and even like this, again, I've been covering Congress 17 years, like this issue first fell on my lap, obviously 
with Grush and his first interview with the debrief that really opened my eyes. But before that came out, American airspace, we were invaded by balloons, or at least by one balloon from uh, China. And we drop about what? Just shy of a trillion dollars a year buying our military all like the greatest toys or, you know, weapons and all this technology. And we don't know what's in our airspace. Like, mm -hmm. that's unsettling and something that honestly Congress has not gotten satisfactory answers to. So the, that did wake up a lot of lawmakers. But then it became this hyper-political issue, you know? So when you talk to Republicans, they're like, oh, Biden, you know, they just take that cheap political shot. But I'm like, no, 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 like, step away from the politics. Like, this is a serious problem. I mean, cause then right after that one uh, confirmed, I believe, Chinese spy balloon, then within a week, the Air Force shoots down these three other objects, and then the American people kind of freak out, and then they just stop. <laughs> So I still have the question, what the fuck is in the airspace above us? Pardon my friend. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about some of the responses that you had from the senators that were, I would say, undereducated on the topic. Um, did they jump to strictly that kind of partisan um, tagline and, and just kind of deflect it? Or were they actually interested in understanding the issue at all? The interesting thing about this issue is... For the most part, it stayed nonpartisan. Um, and in a super hyperpartisan Congress, like that alone makes it stand out. I mean, because after that House Oversight hearing um, on our website, askapoll.com, we dropped our exclusives with Jamie Raskin, who's a top Democrat on the House Oversight Committee. After that hearing, he wanted to get Grush in a classified setting. He had a lot more questions. He wanted to talk to other whistleblowers to see if um, the ones, you know, the 40 or whatever that Grush mentioned, he's like, hey, we want to talk to him. But that's Jamie Raskin, who like uh, was a part of the January 6th committee, you know, hyperpartisan. He was, led one of the Trump impeachments, you know, so hyperpartisan. But he's at the table. And then you have the Freedom Caucus folks, uh, Congressman Burchett and Luna. But then you also had AOC talk to us after the hearing. She wanted more answers. Then Republican South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who's like one of the few remaining moderates on the right. And so some people after that hearing have tried to make it uh, more partisan. But this is not a partisan issue, which actually makes it one of the more exciting ones to cover in a hyper-partisan, gridlocked, kind of worthless Congress. Um, we actually, I did a piece for Raw Story recently. Since January, there's only been 12 new laws uh, under this Congress that President Biden signed into law. One of them is commemorated like a commemorative coin for the 250th uh, anniversary of the Marines. Another one is renaming a VA hospital. So, like, this Congress is not doing much for y'all, but that's where this issue stands out. Um, Sadly, though, even though it's nonpartisan, again, in the Senate, you have a lot of people just playing ostrich. Uh, and sadly, a lot of them we have on our site, we published all our interviews with the 20 or maybe 24 members of the, I believe 26 members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. It seems just there, 
from the Senate Intelligence and the Senate Armed Services Committees that there's only about six to ten senators really um, that this is really on their radar that they're taking it seriously. Other than that, you know, unless they're well, lying, what does that mean? What is taking it seriously when you when you spoke to them? What does that look like? Well, so uh senate intelligence committee vice chair marco rubio he's been one of the leaders on this but he told me that really actually kind of propelled me along he was like hey we get a lot of whistleblowers he's like it's nothing new to have whistleblowers you know making these claims he goes this is the first time the inspector general of the intel uh community looked at what was said vetted it and then didn't just send it to Congress, but stamped it urgent. <laughs> and so Rubio is still one of the leaders on it. Um, the chair of the committee, Mark Warner, he's definitely cued in on it. His staff had, and him and Rubio's staff, because that committee's still uh, fairly bipartisan on most issues. They... Um, they talked to Grush behind closed doors a couple months ahead of his testimony or whatever going public. Um, so him and his staff have taken it seriously. Warner, you know, I've covered him for years for Virginia Public Radio, so I know him. He, because we're dealing with classified information, he feels like he knows a lot more than he's saying. You know, he's part of that gang of eight where mm -hmm. he's read in on some things, and so is Rubio that the rest of Congress wouldn't even have to be reddit on. You know, there's that. It's the four-party leaders, House and Senate, and then the heads of the Intel committees, House and Senate. That's the gang of eight. So they'll know some stuff that the rest of the Congress doesn't know. So he, I know, it's on his radar, but he's not serving two masters. I don't think it's... I know he's been cued in on this conversation for some time, Um Ever since I started speaking out about this publicly, uh, being the senator for Virginia, where this was happening off of the coast, Virginia Beach, as well as our bases were located um, yeah. there as well. He has been cued in, at least to the incidents we've been having off the East Coast for quite some time. Well, it's interesting. So while he's not really investigating it, the other Virginia senator, Senator Tim Kaine, and I need to follow up with him on this, but him and then uh, former governor of Florida, Rick Scott, they both told me some things that are, I don't think we've released these interviews yet, but we're about to. They both said that as governors, there was times where the Pentagon was like, oh yeah, we've got that covered. And the Pentagon wouldn't tell them what was in their state's airspace. Yeah. And so that kind of stuck out to me. So I'm going to press more senators who are former governors on that specific thing. You know, has there been times where you had like an invasion something over your airspace and the pentagon was like yeah we got it but then didn't communicate back to you on what that was and with their coasts so big and expansive you know i asked that to new hampshire senators who are both former governors and they're like no we're new hampshire you know we're small <laughs> but states like virginia and florida they're expansive and you know lots of sightings and stuff like that um so yeah they're interesting Mike Rounds, also a former governor, he said, no, he never really had uh, issues like that, but he's 
become kind of the one to watch in my book. He said, we learned that he had a classified meeting with the head of Arrow, Kirkpatrick, right before um, Congress went in their August recess. And he said he was really pushing him on uh, whistleblowers within, or potential whistleblowers within the government, not trusting Arrow. Uh, and so it seems like there's pressure there um, growing. And Brown's actually, at the start of July, didn't know much about the issue. It wasn't on his radar. And he increasingly is more... Got to be quick. Huh? Yeah, so he's he's one to watch because I think he's truly inquisitive on it and he wants answers. And really protection for folks like you and Grush and your boys and girls who are still uh, serving, you know, trying to get them that protection so they can talk. Did you get the opportunity to speak with um, Senator Schumer? So Schumer, I just asked him briefly in the hall and he his was interesting so it's on our site askapoll.com it was interesting because the way i phrased it i actually got a response from him at first which was like which is rare you know oftentimes it's just like no no comment but then when i specifically said grush's name he he knew about it and you could tell like he knew about it but he's like not talking about it and so He's one in the coming weeks. I'm going to, I plan to ask him publicly, you know, in front of the cameras or whatever. I just wanted to get him one-on-one first. Uh, so I'm going to push him a little bit further, possibly after uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and rounds do a little bit more of their stuff. And Kirsten Gillibrand, she's probably the leader in the Senate on this, but I know she's, I'm actually kind of curious your thoughts. On her, especially after she annoyed many people in the community by seeming to laugh off some of these things with constituents recently. Well, I don't have too much insight into um, that that particular incident that you're referring to with her constituents. Um, I know I've been communicating with her office. Um, I know she's been working um, working hard to be able to bring in some of the commercial airline uh, stakeholders oh, into this conversation. Um, and I know she's put a lot of effort in to actually establish Arrow and, and essentially stand that organization up. Um, and so she's still, I think, invested in both of those conversations, which I think is right where we need to be. And that's where, yeah, and I, yeah, earlier, she probably should have been the one I mentioned first, because um, it's definitely her kind of, well, so she's interesting because she is one of just six senators who serves on both the Senate Intelligence Committee, but also the Senate Armed Services Committee. So my read on her is that, so like when you talk to a lot of senators on the Intel Committee, especially the younger ones, they're rightfully cagey. You know, this is classified information they're dealing with. You know, so if you're the chair, the vice chair, you can you know, push the envelope a little bit more and they're more seniors. So they're more comfortable with their thoughts. But some of the younger guys, I'm thinking like James Langford from Oklahoma. When I brought up David Grush, he kind of turned the table on me and was feeling out what I knew about him, you know? And so he knew about him, but he just wasn't going to talk about it. Um, yeah. So that's where Gillibrand, my sense is she's kind of using some of what she knows from her perch on the Intel committee to then do that more open public investigation with armed services committee. Um, 
we'll see what happens. I know a lot of people in the community are kind of skeptical of her, but she's been the loudest voice uh, in the Senate thus far. Another one to watch is Senator Martin Heinrich, of, uh, a Democrat from New Mexico. He's, he's a little more skeptical, but he still wants questions or asks questions that he wants answers. Got it. Have you heard any of um, these uh, senators speaking about uh, executive branch involvement at all? That's so a little bit. Because you've seen them kind of engage with Arrow, or um, let me phrase it this way: in the past few weeks or month, you've seen more lawmakers pressure Arrow and kind of see. Yeah, I guess it's now an open secret that whistleblowers do not trust Arrow, and Arrow was kind of created not just for whistleblowers, but for better knowledge of this stuff. And so, knowing that all these people with that knowledge don't trust the agency that's supposed to be the repository of that knowledge. That's kind of woken a lot of senators. Um, I'm curious, like I still have questions on NASA's role or lack thereof, which kind of came up with I head of the house oversight committee hearing with, you know, Congressman Tim Burchett, saying he wanted some of their people and then them saying like no you never formally requested it from us so i'm curious what role they're playing in it we kind of saw this post 9 11 you know where we real where we realized that the government failed in many ways because each individual agency became their own silo and you know the federal government wasn't unified and talking to each other and so that's where i'm kind of curious how much Congress is going to pressure both DOD, you know, like the Pentagon itself to, you know, have the top brass engaging with Arrow, but then also having NASA and their folks and hell, also the FAA, you know, and so that's where right now it feels hyper bifurcated, where mm-hmm. hopefully if Congress does their job and really streamlines this and takes it seriously, then well, and probably Arrow should do that, right? You know, streamline all that information in to themselves, but they're still new, it seems to me. So they're still, for one, getting more resources and building themselves out. But honestly, the director's got to be like, oh my God, now lawmakers know we exist. <laughs> what senior senators are not talking yeah, I mean, to me like, oh shit, you know. now I got to like actually clean my room. <laughs> yeah, for, for all the... Um... All the talk of Arrow and leadership, I'll, I will say that they are in a very difficult position organizationally and, and individually with uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. He's certainly uh, in, a, in a very difficult place for a scientist, um, not only because of the, the problem set, but also because of the communication requirements that uh, come with that particular responsibility. Um, so I can understand how difficult that must be. Yeah. Um, for some listeners, you know, just for a quick si- aside, you know, when we talk about the the executive branch, United States, there's executive authorities, there's, you know, you have the Department of Defense, which falls under the executive branch, NASA, as Matt was alluding to. Um, but let's, you know, let's actually talk about the White House itself for a moment. Um, have you heard anyone talk about, other than kind of your, you know, balloon p- 
bipartisan comments regarding Biden. Was there any conversation about any from any of the senators about Biden potentially entering the conversation? So that's the funny thing. Biden hasn't come up in a single interview. Now that you mention it, I never even thought about that. Um, yeah, I can't recall his name coming up once, which can sometimes be a good thing. So I've covered cannabis policy and like prison reform for decades for um, Rolling Stone, Vice, Playboy, all that. And I see some similarities with the two topics just because, you know, they're topics that most lawmakers don't really feel comfortable talking about. You know, even though they might be curious about them, they're just like, oh, a little taboo in the political mindset. Not necessarily in the American people's minds, but in those strange uh, way the political consulting class thinks um, these issues have become taboo. But so you've seen like progressives on the cannabis in issue and like loosening drug reform and all that um, kind of not want Biden involved. You know, like, oh, we'll let the DEA reschedule cannabis from schedule one to schedule three let the dea do that like no one wants to bring up biden because biden's you know famous uh teetotaler and they're like well if he gets involved he might ruin everything so i'm curious if that's kind of the case with this too where everyone's kind of fine just letting uncle joe do his thing and uh let's let's not wake up the sleeping bear but i will i will start to ask Interesting that no one, it's been specifically um, excluded from the conversation. Interesting. What do you think we're going to see? I mean, the House is now back in session. Um, they will what be do we on think we're going to see? You're here. Oh, on Tuesday? They're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think we're going to see? Um, it, do you think there's any legislation that's going to come out of this hearing? Do you think there's going to be additional hearings going forward? What are we looking at? So I know Congressman Burchett, well, and he's not alone. Congressman Burchett really wants it. Uh, Luna, Maskowitz, like they were asking for a select committee specifically on this issue. And it seems like party leadership has like thrown cold water on that. We don't have that confirmed 100%. But I, all I can say is those lawmakers aren't going to let up and even though party leaders, whether that's Speaker McCarthy, uh, House Oversight Chair James Comer, and then Intel Chair Mike Turner, Burchett told me in an interview a few weeks back that they do have the power to, you know, kill that select committee, you know, cut off some resources. But them as lawmakers, they do have the power to still hold field hearings back at home or, you know, in Congresswoman Luna, she's from Florida, Burchett's from Tennessee. So we might be seeing some field hearings from them because even if party leaders want the issue to go away ahead of the election, uh, which is now seeming more and more the case, at least with, amongst House Republicans, um, these members aren't going to shut up about it. And in part, because the American people freaking care about it. If you look, like 60% yeah. of the American people um, now believe that there's intelligent life somewhere in the galaxy. Um, and so 
many lawmakers, and that's the other funny thing, throughout those interviews would be 100 senators, a handful of them weren't actively investigating it, but they knew that their constituents cared about it, you know? And so mm. they wouldn't laugh it off, even though there were a few senators who did laugh it off. Um, others are more in tune to it. And so I'm curious to see what happens, especially in the House, because this is a hard one to put back in the bag. You know, uh, they just had... Especially right before a pretty large election as well. Do you have any plans to speak with any of the presidential candidates? I usually hit the campaign trail um, a lot. <laughs> Driving thousands of miles, chasing these folks. So I do, I don't have plans right now to go out to Iowa, but that's kind of the best spot, especially with all the Republicans running um, and kind of why I love the Iowa caucuses in general. So I'm kind of hoping that everyday Iowans, you know, who might be listening to us, if y'all get out there in Iowa and you push the candidates, guess what? Your questions matter a lot more than mine. I'm just mainstream media. I'm just a reporter. You know, they can brush me aside. They need your vote. So I think, I think we will start to see that more people on the ground pushing them and me, I do. I'm hoping to profile Tim Scott through the tech lens or whatever, talking about AI and technology. But when I do, you know, I'm going to ask him about this stuff. And Tim Scott's an interesting one. And I kind of wish that question in that debate went to him because even though he's not 100%, so he's not one who's investigating it, but he's one who's watching it in the house. And part, because he used to be a member of the House. So this is his friends on the House Oversight Committee who are investigating this. So even though, you know, it might be laughed off on the national debate stage, which kind of ridiculous, uh, Tim Scott's one who's taking it seriously and watching it from afar. And so I'll be interested to see his thoughts on it and where it goes from there. And honestly... I find reporters to just keep asking them about the balloons, you know, the balloons. Yeah. Because that was an invasion of American airspace. And then the Air Force shot down three objects, which I've pushed Alaska's two senators on. You know, they got private briefings in Alaska on that third object. And they say, oh, you know, went down over ice. We couldn't locate it. It was a bad winter storm. Well, I've pushed them, hey, have you seen or asked for the pictures or the recording from the, uh, you know, fighter jets that shot it down? And both senators were like, they didn't say anything. They're just like, oh, so I'm going to push them to ask those questions. And I think through that, the more these lawmakers stay inquisitive, sometimes with the help of the press corps being uh, the pesky assholes we're paid to be, I think. The conversation's not going away, even though party leaders on both sides probably want it to. Well, there's a lot of really intriguing questions, you know, just like you just elucidated. So uh, I think if folks like yourself and, and myself and the people that watch the show keep asking questions, then I think it's going to motivate those representatives to look into it because I think they're going to want the answers just as much as we do eventually. And that's where a lot of them, I mean, as broken as Washington is and as out of touch as 
these politicians are with their people. This Congress is very good at reading polls, you know, for better and for worse. And so you're starting to see more lawmakers. Well, and for one, it's not just that political and polling angle. After that hearing, you know, so what? Um, former Republican Congressman Adam Kissinger, you know, he kind of tried to dunk on social media and like brush aside the House Oversight Committee investigation because he was like, hey, wink, wink, you know, these are the Freedom Caucus, like far right folks who are like fringe. I'm like, what are you talking about? Sure, Burchett and Luna are part of the Freedom Caucus. But after that hearing, again, Jamie Raskin, Nancy Mace, uh, and then in the Senate, Rubio and Gillibrand, these are mainstream lawmakers. So the fact that they're now filled with questions. And Raskin, he was interesting because he was like, um, oh, Raskin himself, he told me that he got onto this issue because constituents and people he trusted kept pushing him like, hey, you should really look into this. And so he left there just with a lot of questions. And he's a constitutional lawyer. Um, like training, like he's a fucking nerd in like the good ways. So, you know, the fact that he's there and he's got questions, he's a dogged dude, man. So yeah, the issue's not going away. Awesome. I think I agree with you, Matt. Well, are there any points that we missed today? I would like to turn the table on you. How did you feel? <laughs> For one, being up there, but then uh yeah, and even the way else, I've kind of felt bad because I keep saying, oh, you know, the grush hearing. But you two were there. And after that hearing, James Comer, the chair of the committee, he told me, you know, not so much grush. He was like, those two pilots. He's like, they saw it. And so have you heard any follow-up from those folks? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I have been I've been in touch with a number of um, of the representatives' offices uh, and the representatives themselves um, about potentially some new legislation as it relates to the testimony that I gave. Being able to provide pilots with a reporting mechanism and protections to be able to do so. Uh, so I think there is a lot of effort in that area. And uh, to answer my own question earlier, I think that's one of the things that we'll probably start to see uh, in this fall um, from the House. Well, push him on it. Uh, but it was, a, you know, it was an incredible experience just to continue to answer your question. Yeah. Um, kind of hit me in the face as I walked through the door, kind of just boom, right there in the hearing all of a sudden. And right. It was just tremendous to see all the people there. I mean, I never imagined there would be that many people. I mean, I was obviously following the comms on Twitter, but just to hear it and then to see it in the halls of Congress or something totally different. Dude, that blew my mind, too. And I feel bad because the night before, I think we did a live Discord thing or whatever. And someone asked me that, and I was like, oh, because they were in town, and I was like, you probably don't have to get there too early, you know? I'm a jackass. That was the worst place ever. I spoke to someone who, I think they said they were the first person in line, and they were there like the day prior, yeah. you know. And that yeah. line just loops all the way down one hall, and then all the way down another. I've been, again, covering Congress 17 years. I was there during the baseball steroid hearings, you know, with McGuire, Sosa, Bond. 
I don't remember it near that big, you know, and everyone wants their freaking autographs. Um, so yeah, that kind of, I think it was great to see. I mean, not, it, it was great for me to see, of course, but I think it was great for the representatives to right? see, uh, to actually, yeah, I mean, when's the last time they've seen that many constituents out there on an issue? Probably never. And that's why I've been curious about the response from, you know, it seems now, at least again, amongst House Republicans, like leadership's kind of getting involved to try to put a little, you know, water on the issue or blanket, you know, try to put on the back burners probably until after the election. But I'm like, you guys are using like your normal everyday political think like, oh, some people we respect in the media mock this. So, oh, the issue's bad for us politically. Were you there at that hearing? And like literally having Grush say so many times, um, I have an answer for you, but I can only answer in a classified setting. Like if you watch that, like there was a, a lot of gravitas there and a lot of gravitas in what you all told the American people and those lawmakers that now, at least to me, it feels like it's being lost a little bit in the narrative in parts of the Capitol, in parts of the political circles, it's being lost. But I'm like, you guys are more like, why allow this flip into that super hyperpartisan divide? Like, make this your big bipartisan investigation because there's a lot of interest in it and the issues are really fucking serious. And it's a it's a self-improving process. You know, more transparency is something that this government vastly needs. And, you know, even if we turn out the answer is that, well, it turns out nothing was here. I think that would show the American people that their government actually can work for them. Right. And that's, I think I said yesterday. I thought. On show, but it's literally like, and this is basically what I started with. Grush, what he said is a test of this Congress. And again, he's got two claims. The one, first one that there's craft being, that can be verified, you know, show us, you know, if I were a lawmaker, I'd be like, Hey, show me, you know, be the only fun thing about being a lawmaker. Like, come on, give me the secrets. But yeah. that can claim again, <laughs> that there are special access programs, SAPs, that the bureaucracy has been hiding for decades from Congress. If that doesn't wake these lawmakers up, then you don't deserve your job. I mean, it's literally prove that or disprove that. But if you're just cool and lukewarm about the federal government lying to you as a federal lawmaker, get the fuck out of my town. What? We don't need you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has to be looked into. It's too serious for a claim. Well, Matt, on that note, I think that's a great place to end it. Um, I think they are going to look into it for what it's worth. I think that's what we're going to, you know, I think that's what we need to push for this fall. And I think that as, you know, we come into the next year with some of the legislation that's on the table uh, in the Senate right now, uh, such as the Disclosure Act, yeah. uh, I think we're in a position where we can actually get some of those answers soon. So I think it's an exciting time. Yeah. All about pushing them for more answers. I like making them sweat. That's right. <laughs> Thanks again, Matt. It was a pleasure. Thank you, brother.